Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and with me today is author, speaker, and Bible teacher extraordinaire, Nancy Guthrie. I am so honored to have you on the show, my friend. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You have written many books, and we'll make sure to link to your website in the show notes. But today, I'd love to jump straight into a Christ-centered reading of the text. You have written a Bible study series called Seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. So here's my question. For the person who has never considered how Jesus might be found in the Old Testament, beyond maybe the book of Isaiah, what are methods for discovering him? Well, the first thing I think you have to come to is a recognition that Jesus and the apostles taught us to read the Bible this way. I mean, when when this was opened up to me, it, it was really in, in, in reading Luke 24. Somehow I'd never seen it before. You've got these two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus after the crucifixion. They're, they're so disappointed. They say about Jesus, you know, we thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And they don't realize it's Jesus, this stranger who has come along walking with them. And uh, Jesus says to them, oh, foolish ones, so slow to be, believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then it says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained all things concerning himself. Well, wow. Okay, so Jesus's way of explaining who he is and why he came was to open up Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Psalms and the prophets. And so that was kind of mind-blowing to me when that really began to sink into me because I just thought, you know, I grew up reading and studying the Bible. My earliest memories are of Sunday school. And yet I never learned to see Christ in the Old Testament. It, it just, it was so much more about, you know, moral lessons about how to live or looking at a particular character. And if, at least on the surface, he seemed to be good, try to be like him. And if on the surface, he didn't seem to be so good, you know, try not to be like that. And so I just realized at one point, I've got to go back to kindergarten in a sense of in figuring out how to read and understand the Old Testament. So I've got eight ways to do that. I want to hear those eight ways, but I also want to, to ask, this was later on in your walk, right? That you read Luke 20. I mean, this is, all, this is a, yeah, this is like 15, 18 years ago. So I want people to be encouraged by that because I think sometimes we can, I just, I, we can feel like we need to be masters of the word <laughs> when we're, but the, the reality is, is that we're all learning. I mean, we will not exhaust learning more and more about the riches of God in the scriptures. And so I just, I just wanted people to be encouraged as you're reading the word you're, you're going to grow and learn and discover new things, and that's a good thing. All right, tell me the eight ways. <laughs> oh, that is so true. All right, so first, number one, when you look in the Old Testament and you see a problem that only Christ can solve. And, of course, the first problem that we come up against in the Old Testament is the problem of the curse. And actually, as we work our way through the whole of the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the, the book of Malachi, it ends with a word that could actually be translated curse. So you get to the Old Testament, 
And, you know, there have been prophets and priests and kings and bazillions of bloody sacrifice sacrifices and still the problem of the curse is a problem that's a problem only christ can solve when we get to the book of galatians we discover that christ take took the curse upon himself on the tree so that's how that is dealt with number two a promise that only christ can fulfill so when we are let's say that uh we are are, are promised a, a a new creation. Uh, only Christ is going to can bring us into the new creation. When we are promised a new heart made of flesh in the book of Jeremiah, only by taking hold of Christ are we given this new heart of flesh. So whenever you see something in the Old Testament, a promise that you realize that can only come as I am joined to Christ, then you're seeing him there. Number three, a need that only Christ can meet. You know, I, I have a need, Julia, for my sin not to be just swept under the rug, but for my sin to be fully dealt with, to be cleansed. And there is only one cleansing agent that can do that, and that's the blood of Christ. I, I think about what David wrote in Psalm 51 when he's pleading with God for forgiveness for his sin. He says, cleanse me with hyssop that I can be as white as snow. Uh, and in a sense, it's almost like, you know, Lord, dip the hyssop. That, that's, a, that's a brush they used in the Old Testament to brush the blood of a sacrifice on something or to sprinkle the blood of a sacrifice on something. And it's almost as if da David is saying to God, dip that hyssop brush in the blood that I don't know about, but you, that you know about that can actually have the power to cleanse me of sin. And of course, that is the blood of Christ. And that's the only blood that can cleanse us. Uh, number four. A pattern or theme that only comes to resolution in Christ. Now, you could get me going a long time here, Trillia, because you know that over the last few years, I love studying biblical themes. I've launched these biblical theology workshops for women for the specific task of, of inviting women to trace biblical themes. And so, I mean, you know, there's about 200 of them. But let's talk about the theme of marriage. Uh, that begins in Genesis 2, and it's going to work its way through the Old Testament into the New Testament. And that theme only resolves when we get to the end of the Bible and we're, we see this picture of this marriage supper of the Lamb, and we move into the end of, of Revelation, and Christ is finally joined to his bride. The marriage is consummated as we hear this declaration from the throne, behold, the dwelling place of God is now with man. So a theme of marriage, a theme of the temple, a theme of Sabbath rest, a, a theme of the city, so many. All right, number five, a story that comes to its conclusion through Christ I think about the story in the Bible of the um, of all of the battles. You know, there's so many battles in the Old Testament, and we wonder what's going to happen with that. Well, they're all pointing toward a final battle, 
a final battle that we read about, and Christ will be the victor. And so all of those battles around in the Old Testament, they trace back to the statement in Genesis 3.15 that uh, there's going to be enmity between the uh, serpent and the woman and between her offspring and his offspring, and they finally reach resolution or conclusion in the last book of the Bible as Christ is a victor over all of his enemies. A person who prefigures an aspect of who Christ will be or what he will do, either by analogy or contrast, and there are so many of these, I think especially of David fighting Goliath. He's prefiguring that, crushing the head of the serpent for good. I think about Joseph, this beloved son of the father uh, who is hated by his brothers and who is thrown into a pit, but rises to the right hand of the of the prime minister, the Pharaoh, such a picture of Jesus going down into the grave and being lifted to the right hand of God. And seven, an event or symbol that pictures an aspect of Christ, of who he will be and what he will be. My first thought is the ark. You know, these people who are going to be saved, they come and they are hidden inside the ark and the storm of judgment comes down and they are saved. Or that bronze serpent on a pole that we look at and those who look at it, they look to it and they are saved. In the same way, we look to Christ and we are saved. And then the final one, a revelation of the pre-incarnate Christ. There's a number of appearances of what's oftentimes called the angel of the Lord, which is different than an angel from the Lord. Think about that that uh, commander of the Lord's armies that Joshua saw when he was getting ready to lead the children into Israel. Uh, many of these very much could be a revelation of the pre-incarnate Christ. So I've raced through them, Trillia, but hopefully that gives your listeners an idea of what we're talking about, about seeing Christ even when we're in the Old Testament. It's That is incredible. And, and thankfully, you do have a Bible study series. So if you people want to dig in more, they can go and look up your series called Seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. But let me tell you, you are a professor. And yeah, I was taking notes thinking, ah, Nancy may need to add one more thing to her awesome list of ways that she has served the church. So I'm just going to pray real quick for us that we would um, understand God's word and that we would see Jesus. Lord, thank you for this wonderful, glorious time together, God, and that we can, I mean, I, as she was speaking, I, I couldn't help but one, worship, God, thank you for all you've done for us, but two, to, to think of, of, of all that you've written in your word that points to yourself, Jesus, but also that we could know you, the depths of, of knowledge and, and wonder that is available to us at our fingertips. So God, I pray that you would help us to understand your word, illuminate your scriptures to our minds, to our hearts. God, give us understanding beyond our age, beyond our ability. God, um, teach us your ways, teach us your word, and show us your goodness and your grace and your salvation. Lord, we worship you and we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you.